19th sign is that Khwaja Ghulam Farid, the Bir, spiritual mentor of the Nawab of Bahalpur, saw a dream testifying to my truthfulness, on account of which God Almighty imbued his heart with love for me. On this very account, Khwaja Ghulam Farid, in the book Isharat Faridi, which consists of his sayings, repeatedly testifies to my truthfulness. It is the practice of saintly people that they rarely get involved in theological controversies. They believe in what God Almighty communicates to them through dreams, visions, or revelations. Therefore, since Khwaja Ghulam Farid was pure of heart like Bir Sahibul Alam, God disclosed to him the fact of my truthfulness. Many a cleric like Mali Ghulam Dastagir arrived at the village of Khwaja Ghulam Farid with the intent to make him reject me. The respected Khwaja himself has narrated these facts in the book Isharat Afridi. Khwaja Ghulam Farid received a letter from some Ghaznawis as well, but he paid no heed to anyone and gave these unenlightened mullahs such crushing replies as silenced them completely. By the grace of God, he died a believer testifying to my truthfulness. The letters he wrote to me also show how great a love God has placed within his heart for me and how great a spiritual insight concerning me God has bestowed upon him out of his grace. The respected Khwaja has repeatedly responded to the criticism of my opponents in his book Isharat Afridi. For instance, it is reported at one place in Isharat Afridi that someone submitted to Khwaja Ghulam Farid that Adam died after the stipulated time frame. He replied mentioning my name. What difference does it make? I know that Adam died merely on account of his breath. In other words, it was his attention and resolve that finished Adam off. Footnote start. I've written repeatedly that the prophecy regarding Adam was fulfilled in its sum and substance. Had Adam not publicly retracted in the presence of 60 or 70 persons, from using the term Dajjal, it could be said that the prophecy was not fulfilled. But since Atham had retracted, it was but necessary for him to have benefited from the provision. On the contrary, the divine promise would have been exposed to objection had Atham died within the 15 months, despite the fact that he publicly retracted in the presence of a gathering of Christians, paying no heed to his honor and reputation. In such a case, it could have been said that the prophecy was not fulfilled, but to raise objection now despite his retraction behoves only those who have no regard for faith and fair play. Of course, when Atham became rather audacious after the 15 months had elapsed and ceased to be grateful for God's benevolence in keeping with another prophecy, he died within 15 months of my last announcement. In any case, his death could not go beyond 15 months. Thus, a reasonable person, despite being Christian, has admitted that the prophecy about Atham was most clearly fulfilled, and to deny it, it is nothing but sheer obduracy. Footnote N. Someone asked him in reference to me, how can we accept him as the promised Mahdi, the divinely guided one, when he does not fulfill all the signs detailed in the Ahadith? The respected Khwaja was displeased at this remark and replied, Tell me a prophet or messenger in whom all of the proposed signs were fulfilled that people had previously conceived. Had that been the case, why would some believe and others disbelieve? This indeed is the divine practice that all the signs recorded in the prophecies about a prophet to come are never fulfilled literally. At places there are allegories and at places a difference occurs resulting from one's own understanding while yet 
At other places, all the counts suffer from distortion. Therefore, the right way of righteousness is to derive benefit from what has been fulfilled, keeping in view the time and the need. Had it been necessary to reconcile all the preconceived signs according to one's own understanding, we would have to give up all profits, and the consequence would have been nothing but deprivation and faithlessness, because there has not been any prophet concerning whom all the preconceived signs have been literally fulfilled. Somehow or other, there has been some shortfall. The Jews used to say about the first Messiah, namely Hazrat Isa, that he would appear only when Prophet Elias, Elijah had returned to the earth before him. But did Elias come? Similarly, the Jews used to insist that the awaited Khatamul Anbiya, the seal of the prophets, would be from among the Israelites. Did he appear from among the Israelites? When defying the Jewish expectation to which all their prophets agreed, the Khatamul Anbiya did not come from among the Israelites. Why is it any wonder then if the promised Mahdi has not appeared from the house of the Fatimids or the Abbasids? God's prophecy carries many a hidden secret. A trial is also intended. Footnote start. Study the Ahadith with careful deliberation, for they are so disparate about the promised Mahdi as if they were a collection of contradictions. Some Ahadith say that the Mahdi will be a Fatimid. Some say he will be an Abbasid while others report that he will be a person from among my ummah. And the Hadith of Ibn Majah has repudiated all these reports, for this Hadith has these words, meaning that Isa himself is the Mahdi, there is no Mahdi besides him. Moreover, the Ahadith concerning the Mahdi are such that none is beyond question, and none of them can be described as authentic. Therefore, the way the prophecy manifested itself and the verdict that was given by the promised arbiter is what is correct. Footnote end. Therefore, Muslims should take a lesson that the Jews were deprived of faith as a consequence of insisting upon their own interpretation, for an authentic hadith foretells that in the latter days some from among the Muslims will become Jews, that is, they will adopt the attitude of the Jews and will follow in their footsteps as is written that if a Jew had committed incest with his mother, so will they, the Muslims, do. Indeed, it is an occasion to tread verily most of the Jews fail to accept Hazrat Isa al-Islam and the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, only because they considered it unlawful to accept until they would see all the marks and signs being fulfilled in them in accordance with their own preconceived ideas. Consequently, they fell into the pit of disbelief. They continued to insist that Elias, Elijah, must come first and then the Messiah, and the Khatamul Anbiya must be from among the Israelites. In short, God Almighty had blessed Khwaja Ghulam Farid with the inner light that he could distinguish between the truthful and imposture at a single glance. May God bless him with his mercy and grant him a place in his nearness. Amen. 20th Sign Some 30 years ago I received the revelation from Almighty God. You shall witness a distant progeny. Hundreds of people are witness to this revelation. It has been published a number of times, so it came to pass in conformity with it. I saw the children who did not exist at the time of the prophecy, and then I saw the children of the children, and I do not know how far the effect of this prophecy will continue. 21st Sign Some 30 years ago, my respected father, may God bless him with his mercy, fell ill near the end of his life. On the day he was destined to breathe his last, I received the revelation at noon. 
Simultaneous with it, I was made to think that it indicated his demise, and his meanings are, I swear by the heavens and I swear by the tragic incident which shall befall after sunset, was a message of condolence from God Almighty to his humble servant. I understood thereby that my father would die after sunset. Many people were informed of this revelation. I swear by Allah the Almighty in whose hands my life rests, and to lie against whom is an act of Satan and of an accursed one, that it happened accordingly. On that day my father's real illness, which was renal colic, had been cured. Only slight dysentery remained, and he could go to the toilet on his own strength without any assistance. When the sun set on return from the lavatory, as soon as he sat down on the bedstead, death's rattle started. In the same condition of death rattle, he said to me, See what this is. Then he lay down. Before this, I had never had the occasion to see anyone speak during the death rattle and talk clearly and firmly in the state of a death rattle. After this, exactly as the sun set, he passed away from this transitory world. Surely to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. This was the very first of all the revelations, and was the first prophecy that God disclosed to me. God informed me at noon that this was going to happen, and it came to pass after sunset. It is an honor for me, and I will not forget it, that God Almighty condoled with me at the time of my father's demise, and swore by the death of my father the way he swore by the heavens. Those who have a satanic spirit rampant within them would wonder how it could be that God Almighty confers such honor on someone that by declaring his father's death to be a great shock, he should swear by it. But once again I swear by the God of honor and glory that this incident is true and that it was God indeed who informed me about it by way of condolence and said, by the heaven and the morning star, Surah Tariq, chapter 86, verse 2 of the Holy Quran. And it came to pass accordingly, so Allah be praised for all this. Twenty-second sign. As I have just written, when I was apprised of the news that my father would pass away after sunset, I, being human, was distressed upon hearing this news. Moreover, most of the means of our livelihood were contingent upon his life. He received a pension from the British government, as well as a large sum of gratuity, which was contingent upon him being alive. Therefore, the thought crossed my mind as to what would happen after his demise. The anxiety surfaced in my heart that perhaps we would face days of deprivation and hardship. All this concern flashed across my mind in the fraction of a second, quite like lightning. At that very moment, I felt drowsy and received the second revelation, meaning that, is not God sufficient for his servant? My heart was strengthened by this revelation from Allah as a gravely painful wound is instantly healed with a balm. The fact is that it has been verified repeatedly that divine revelation has an intrinsic quality to grant comfort. At the root of this quality lies the certainty which one acquires regarding God's revelation. Alas, what kind of revelations do these people have that Despite their claim of being the recipients of revelation, they also confess that their revelations are only conjectural affairs, and they do not know whether they are satanic or divine. The harm of such revelations is greater than their benefit, but I swear by God that I believe in these revelations of mine, just as I do in the Holy Quran and other scriptures. Just as I believe with certainty and conviction that the Holy Quran is the Word of God, so do I believe the Word that descends upon me to be the Word of God, for I behold the refulgence and light of God with it, 
and I find signs of God's providence accompanying it. In short, I immediately understood that God would not let me be wasted when I received the revelation. Is not God sufficient for his servant? After this, I wrote down the revelation and handed it to Malawamal, who is a Hindu, a Khatri by caste, a resident of Qadian and is still alive. I related the entire incident to him and dispatched him to Amritsar so that through the good offices of Hakim Malvi Muhammad Sharif of Kalanor, he may get it engraved in a stone and get a stamp made. I selected this Hindu gentleman for this task with the sole intention of making him a witness to this grand prophecy and so that Malvi Muhammad Sharif should become a witness too. As a result, through the agency of the respective Mali, the signet ring was prepared at the cost of five rupees and delivered to me. It is still with me. I received this revelation at a time when our means of livelihood and comfort were wholly dependent upon my father's meager income. Not even a single person from the outside knew me, for I was an unknown individual lying in obscurity in a desolate village like Gadian. After this, God in keeping with his prophecy, turned the world towards me and helped me financially with such success of victories for which I do not have the words to express my gratitude. Considering my dire condition, I did not expect that even 10 rupees a month would come. But God Almighty, who raises the poor from dust and reduces the arrogant to dust, helped me so much so that I can say with confidence that until now, about 300,000 rupees, or perhaps even more, have already come. Footnote start. Although thousands of rupees have come by money orders, many more have been given from devotees by hand or in the form of currency notes that came in letter. Some devotees sent currency notes or gold without disclosing their names, and I still do not know what their names are. Footnote end. This income may be estimated from the fact that the monthly expenditure for the Langarkhana public kitchen alone has been running at 1,500 rupees on an average for so many years, and other categories of expenses like the school, etc., and the printing of books are besides it. Hence, it is worth noting, indeed, with what clarity, might, and glory this prophecy has been fulfilled. Is not God sufficient for his servants? Is this the work of an impostor, or are these satanic insinuations? Certainly not. On the contrary, it is the work of the Almighty in whose hands lie honor, dishonor, adversity, and prosperity. If you do not trust this statement of mine, you may examine the official postal records of the past 20 years and you would know how the door of income has been opened during this period of time, though this income was not limited to delivery by post. Thousands of rupees are received when people donate in person by coming to Qadian. And there is also the income in the form of the currency notes sent in envelopes. Twenty-third sign is the prophecy about Deputy Abdullah Tham, which has been very clearly fulfilled. The fact is that these were two prophecies. The first was that he would die within 15 months, and the second was that if he would desist from his published statement that God forbid the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him was the Dajjal, he would not die within 15 months. Footnote start. Thousands of people might have known that when Atham, in accordance with the condition laid down in the revelation, was granted respite, he expressed no gratefulness at this respite. Rather, presuming that the calamity had been warded off, he chose to hide the truth and said that he had not been afraid, and yet he refused to testify to it on oath, although all the pious ones 
of the Christian faith have all along been swearing on oath. It is evident from the gospel that Hazamasi himself testified on oath, and so did Paul and Peter. Therefore, after he had thus concealed the truth, God revealed to me that he would now die soon. It was then that I issued a handbill concerning it. And it is peculiar that he did die within 15 months from the date of the publication of the handbill that I had published about his death according to this second revelation. Hence, God retained the same 15 months for Atham when he had forsaken the path of truthfulness and had concealed the truth about which there is so much lamentation and wailing in the quarters of my opponents. Footnote N. As I have already stated, the basis of the prophecy for his death was that in one of his books, Anrunai Bible, Inner Nature of the Bible, Atham had pronounced a holy prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to be the Dajjal. It is true that in the prophecy, 15 months was the stipulated time frame for Atham's death, but along with it, there was the condition, the wording of which was, provided he does not turn to the truth, but Atham retracted in the same public meeting. In great humility, he stuck his tongue out, and with both hands on his ears, he expressed remorse at having used the word Dajjal, Antichrist. Not one or two, but as many as sixty or seventy people are witnesses to it, about half of them being Christians and about half being Muslims. I think about fifteen of them might still be alive in whose presence Atham had retracted from using the word Dajjal, and then, until the day of his death, he never uttered any such word again. Now it should be considered what maliciousness, wickedness, and dishonesty it is that, despite Atham's unequivocal retraction in the presence of some sixty or seventy witnesses, it should be asserted that Atham did not retract. Divine wrath was entirely based upon the word Dajjal. This was the basis for the prophecy, and retraction from this very word was the condition. For him to become a Muslim is not at all mentioned in the prophecy. Hence, when he retracted in all humility, God also turned to him with mercy. God's revelation never implied that unless Atham accepted Islam, he would not escape death, for all the Christians shared their disbelief in Islam. God does not compel anyone to accept Islam. It would be entirely irrational to prophecy that if a certain person did not accept Islam, he would die within a certain period of time. The world is full of people who deny Islam, and I have stated again and again that in this world no chastisement can visit anyone simply on account of denying Islam. The reckoning for this sin will only occur on the Day of Judgment. As such, what was so special about Atham's that his death, but not of others, be prophesied on account of his denying Islam? The sole cause of this prophecy was that he had used the word Dajjal about the hallowed status of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him from which he retracted in the presence of some sixty or seventy people, including many who were noble and respectable, who were present in that gathering. Then after he had retracted from this word and indeed continued to weep afterwards, he became deserving of mercy in the sight of God Almighty, but only to the extent that his death was delayed by a few months and he died in my lifetime. So in accordance with the debate, which was a kind of prayer duel, he was proven to be a liar on account of his death, has the prophecy still not been fulfilled? Of course it was fulfilled, and fulfilled very clearly. God's curse is upon such hearts as do not desist from finding faults with such definitive signs. If they so desire, I can produce some forty witnesses to Atham's retraction. This is why he did not dare swear on oath, even though all Christians have been making statements on oath throughout. Hazem Messi himself swore on oath. 
I need not prolong this discussion. Atham is not alive anymore. It has been more than 11 years since he died. 24th sign. On June 30, 1899, I received the revelation. First unconsciousness, then coma, then death. And the understanding given at the same time was that this revelation pertained to a sincere friend whose death would cause me sorrow. So this revelation was announced to several members of my jamaat and it was published in Al-Hakam of June 30, 1899. Thereafter, towards the end of July 1899, a very sincere friend of mine, Dr. Muhammad Burhe Khan, assistant surgeon, died suddenly in Kasur. He first lost consciousness, then suddenly entered into a coma, and then passed on from this mortal world. There was a difference of only 20 to 22 days between the time of his death and this revelation. 25th sign is the prophecy regarding the criminal case which Garam Deen of Jhelum had filed against me at Jhelum. The words of the prophecy from God Almighty were, O oh my Lord, everything is your servant, so O oh my Lord, protect me and help me and have mercy on me. There were also other revelations containing the promise of acquittal. Thus, God Almighty brought about my exoneration in this case. 26th sign is my acquittal from the criminal case of Karamdeen of Jhelum filed against me in the court of Chandulal and Atmaram Magistrate Gurdaspur. The prophecy had spelled out that in the end I would be acquitted. Accordingly, I was acquitted. 27th sign is the prophecy about the punishment of Karamdeen of Chelum. Accordingly, he was punished in the end. See my book, Mawahibur Rahman, Bounties of the Gracious God, page 129, line 8. Footnote start. This reference appears on page 350, starting at line 1 of Ruhani Khazain, volume 19, published in 2008. Footnote end. These three prophecies are recorded in great detail in Mawahibur Rahman. This book, Mawahibur Rahman, was compiled and published at a time when the outcome of the prophecy was totally unknown. The text of the prophecy published in the said book runs as follows. Translation of my signs is one in which God, the all-knowing and the wise, informed me about a mean person and his great calumny against me and apprised me through his revelation that this man would attack me in order to humiliate me, but would himself become my target in the end. God conveyed this truth to me in the course of three dreams. He disclosed to me in the dream that this enemy would engage three helpers to achieve success so as to somehow insult me and to grieve me. I was shown in the dream as if I was hauled into some court like a prisoner and I was shown that I would be acquitted in the end, even if after an interval. I was given the good news that the affliction would be recoiled upon this lying mean enemy himself. I therefore published all these dreams and revelations beforehand. Of the newspapers in which they were published, one is Al-Hakam and the other is Al-Badr. Then I kept waiting for the developments as to when these things indicated in the prophecy would come about. After the passing of one year, these predestined events happened at the hands of Karamdin. That is, he brought criminal charges against me unjustly. A part of the prophecy was thus fulfilled when he filed the suits. The remaining part of it, namely my acquittal from these cases and his own eventual punishment, will also be shortly fulfilled. 
It is obvious from this part of the text of Muwahibur Rahman that at the time of the publication of that book, I had not been absolved and acquitted from the cases filed by Karamdeen, nor had he been punished. Instead, it had all been written by way of a prophecy. Footnote start. The dates on which the cases filed by Karamdeen were decided by the court at Jhelum and Gurdasmur also clearly show that the prophecy about Karamdeen's punishment and my acquittal had been published in my book Mawahibur Rahman before the verdict in these cases. Anyone interested can go to the court and see the dates of these judgments. Marvi Tanaullah of Amritsar, Marvi Muhammad, etc., who were present in the court of Atma Ram, are witnesses of the fulfillment of this prophecy. Footnote and Given above is the translation of the prophecy recorded in Arabic. It says that Karamdeen will file criminal cases to get me punished, and many a supporter will help him. In the end, he himself will be punished, and God will rescue me from his mischief. This is exactly what happened. Now it should be considered how much of the unseen this prophecy comprises. Can a human being or Satan make such a prophecy that ordains my honor and the enemy's humiliation?